This is the Easy Living Yards Podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your colorful host. Let's jump in and learn how to have a healthy, beautiful yard with less work so you can enjoy more time doing what you love. What's up and welcome to episode 35 of the Easy Living Yards podcast. Today we are going to be talking about fall maintenance tips. So yeah, we're going to keep on that fall theme that we started with last week's show, uh, talking about um, fall decoration ideas. And so this week we're going to get into more about the maintenance stuff, right? You know I don't like to talk about maintenance on this show because we're talking about usually how to make your life easier, how to reduce the amount of work. But inevitably there's always some form of maintenance we need to do in our landscape. And so today we're going to cover some of that stuff and how to do it in the easiest way possible. Now before we get into today's show, I want to remind you that I am currently offering a fall consultation discount special. So you can get 20% off any of the consultation options that are available that I offer through my website. So you can go over to ely.hal slash consulting and I can work one-on-one with you to help you with your landscape. So October 2018 through October 2018, you can use the offer code fall 2018. So that's fall F-A-L-L two zero. And that'll get you 20% off. And I am looking forward to working one-on-one with you and to help you really improve your landscape, save you time on your landscaping, and have a beautiful landscape that you can enjoy with your family. Now, why am I doing this? Well, fall is really the best time to be working in your landscape, working in your yard, and improving things. It's just the best for establishing plants. It's a beautiful season. You have less weed competition, so there's a lot of reasons. And so I want to help incentivize you to make a positive difference in your landscape. So if you're considering that, now is a great time. So head on over, use the offer code FALL2018 at ely.how slash consulting. Okay, let's talk about our favorite plant for today. Well, Of course, guys, it's fall, right? Or if you prefer to be more proper, we can use the term autumn. So it's autumn right now. And of course, I'm going to highlight a plant. It's just a wonderful tree, especially for its fall beauty. And that is the red maple. So the Latin name for red maple is Acer rubrum. And the red maple is an eastern United States native. If you are from another part of the world whether it's the western United States, south U.S. Um, This may grow in your zone if you're you're in the south U.S., um, which I'll get into in a minute, or if you're from a different part of the world, say Japan or China or Europe or, or wherever that may be. There are maple trees adapted to almost every part of the world and native to almost every part of the world. Now, that's, of course, with some exceptions, but uh, let me, I guess, give the caveat of that's most of the deciduous parts of the world. So your temperate forest areas uh, have certain native maple trees that you can replace so you can look up other options for your area as well. Um, and, and the reason I a lot of times recommend native plants is that they're, they've evolved for your area. So they uh, have, you know, just the natural adaptation for your region. And, and there's a lot to be said for that. Now, uh, we could go into a, a big debate about whether exotics or natives are better and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and I actually have an episode on that as a previous episode you can check out if you want. But for now, uh, the, the red maple is just a wonderful tree especially for its fall beauty. So it has some 
it's it's a large tree. So you're talking a tree that grows up to 70 feet when it's uh, in its good conditions, and it grows from USDA zones three to nine and enjoys full sun to part shade. And I would even wager to say that it, it could be um, uh, heavy shade as well. So not full shade uh, for its mature life. But if you think about it, the the maple is a tree that grows in our eastern deciduous forests here in the U.S. And so as a sapling, until it matures and until the, the canopy clears open, it's a tree that grows into pretty heavy shade most of the year. Um, and it, it tolerates that condition until it, it pops up into the canopy. Um, it enjoys medium to moist soil. So this is one, it does actually do- tolerate a really wide range of soils, but this is its preference is medium to moist soil. Uh, we have one that grows in um, relatively dry soils on a south-facing slope, so a pretty hot slope um, in our front yard, um, and it does pretty well. They can also tolerate a wide range of soils from sandy to clay, um, and of course they prefer high-fertility soils, but they can tolerate a wide range as well. Now, that said, let's talk about the beauty. The biggest beauty, the biggest bang for your buck with uh, a red maple is its fall color. And you have a wide range of fall colors you can get based on the variety you have, as well as this, the the seasonal conditions or the, the year-growing conditions. Um, so based on whether it was a dry summer or a wet summer or whatever, um, you can get variations in fall color. Now, there are certain varieties that kind of focus on a certain range, um, and you get anything from like a, a deep red to even maroon color to a very bright orange color and sometimes almost a yellowish hue. But usually with red maples, it's that orange to red to maroon color. Some of my varieties I like and that are out there very commonly, uh, first is called Autumn Flame. It has um, smaller leaves than your typical red maple and it gets a deep scarlet red color. Uh, in the fall. And um, this one has also like an extended leaf color period. So it's usually starts a little earlier than some of your typical red maples. Now the straight species is a beautiful tree as well. So uh, don't feel like you have to get a cultivated variety. There's also a variety called October Glory. That's another very common one. And that's more of an orange color uh, into the red shade as well. But, But you get more of that lighter shade of bright pop of orange. Um, now I want to caution you about one variety and it's actually one that I ended up planting in our yard and it's called Autumn Blaze. Now Autumn Blaze is a slightly different one because it, a lot of times it is termed as a, a red maple and even classified as Acer rubrum. But the reality is it's a cross between a red maple and a silver maple. And a silver maple is a tree that I actually do not recommend usually for the landscape because while it is a fast-growing tree, and that's why it's become popular in the past, say, uh, 50 years or so, at least in the eastern United States, uh, as a landscape tree, it, it has a lot of negative characteristics to it. One is that it, it runs extensive surface roots way out beyond the canopy, which is really difficult for any hardscapes that are nearby. So I'm talking within 30-plus feet of a mature tree. Uh, can it, cause, it can cause really difficult problems. So uh, the autumn blaze tree I would recommend not to get because because it has some of those characteristics of the 
the silver maple in the tree as well. And that gives it a faster growing capability. Um, so it grows much faster, but it also has the trade-offs of, of having those surface roots. And another negative to silver maples is that they're much more prone to splitting as well. So I would recommend, again, if you want a variety, check out Autumn Flame or October Glory. Those are two that I'm familiar with. There's also a lot of other varieties out there as well. But you just want to make sure that you're talking about a red maple and not a cross between, say, a red maple and a silver maple like the Autumn Blaze. Okay, so let's jump into the meat of the show today, and that is fall maintenance tips for your yard. So we're going to talk about a couple things. First, we're going to talk about leaves, right? It can't be fall without your leaves. So if you guys are listening from the south, you might not experience this as much or, say, closer to the equator. Um, But here in the deciduous, temperate deciduous region that I live in, fall is a beautiful time, and it also creates a lot of uh, distress or mess in your landscape if you like a neat and tidy landscape. But it's also just a wonderful time for that crisp feeling, for the beautiful colors you experience, for the crunchy leaves that are across the ground. I love having the leaves on the ground, at least for a little while. And um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about leaves. We're going to talk about some lawn care tips, some garden bed maintenance, and also uh, design and installation. So let's start with leaves. Now, When it comes to leaf removal and leaf cleanup, here's what you do with your fallen leaves. There are a couple options here. I want to give you the the frame of reference first. And most of our tendency is to try and get out there and rake up leaves as soon as they start falling down and get rid of them off of our property, right? So we rake them up, we put them into bags, we stuff them into bags, or we rake them into a pile on the street, and the city comes by and vacuums them up or throws them into a trash truck, and they go on to the uh, the landfill, or they, um, in a, a better situation at least, they at least go on to the municipal waste facility where it gets composted and uses its compost, hopefully. Um, now, there are certain environmental reasons why I don't like this, process. One is that uh, if it's going to the landfill, you're sending leaves to the landfill. And, and there they basically stew underneath a giant pile of, of uh, dirt and other trash, right, that, that, that's in the landfill. And you end up basically these, these leaves turn into methane. And so you give off a ton of methane gas. It's really unhealthy for our environment. Um, and it's and so it's also considered a, a much more potent greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide that we always hear about. Um, so leaves can go to such better use. And so at least hopefully if you do this, that your um, city or your township or your 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 municipality does a, a leaf cleanup and debris removal where it gets composted. So instead, one of the things I recommend is, is using it on your own property. Even if you don't want to go through the, the work of doing compost yourself, of turning compost, you can actually use your leaves very valuable, valuably in your own landscape. And so we'll kind of talk about that somewhat, of some options you can do. So option one is you can rake up your leaves and you can mulch them. Mulching them is something you can do with your lawnmower where you kind of rake them into a pile, a shallow pile, and you can then run run it over with your lawnmower and and uh, kind of into a pile, or if you have a bag on your mower, you can bag it, and then you can use that mulched-up leaf material as, as mulch um, or as a, a, a substrate for, for gardening. Um, 
you can also kind of just, once you do that, kind of gather it into a big pile and let it basically rot or mold. Um, so leaf mold is a very valuable amendment for your soil as well. So if you kind of let leaves sit over time and just kind of have a back corner area that you put your leaves in, or you create a little bin that you can stack all of your leaves in, uh, it's it's a very healthy resource to have for your landscape and a very valuable thing for, for potting mixes, for garden soil amendments, or for spreading out through your landscape. Okay, so the, the downside to raking and then mulching is, of course, you have to rake, right? So raking can be quite a bit of work. Um, if you have a small property, it's not so bad. If you're talking about a big property, it might be quite a bit more work. So it's something you want to consider. But what are maybe some easier options? Well, personally, my opinion is that the best way to remove leaves from your yard is to mow and bag. So what do I mean here? Well, toward the end of the season you still have to cut your grass sometimes right so you take out your mower and if you have a bagging mower you can and you want to remove the leaves right you don't want them there you can throw on your bagging attachment and then mow your lawn like you normally would and and bag the leaves along with the lawn clippings and then these you can remove from your yard and send them to hopefully your municipal compost facility or you can take them to the back area to put in a pile and let them decompose or you can use them as a mulching cover for your vegetable garden these are all great options now what about the easiest way to pick up leaves in my opinion the easiest way to pick up leaves is to not actually pick them up Instead, what you do is you take out your mower and you mow them in place. And this is especially effective if you have a mulching mower. And so it'll chop your leaves up into very small bits and then redeposit them in the landscape right where you were or right where they dropped or very close by. And what this does is those leaves, once they're chopped up real small, they'll settle down to the soil surface and they'll break down much easier. And when they break down, they provide a wonderful source of nutrients for your soil in your lawn. And that's very, very helpful. So this is why, to me, it's the easiest because it's the less amount of work. You don't actually have to remove anything. You can just mow them in place. It serves as a wonderful soil amendment over time. So if you continually do this over years, um, it can it can provide a really good nutrient boost for your soil. And so for that reason, I think it's also the best way to clean up leaves in a large yard. So if you have a really large landscape or a big yard, this is a great way to take care of your leaves and to not have them just piled up everywhere and instead to use them as a a resource and, and provide a benefit to your lawn. Now there are a few caveats here. Certain trees are not the healthiest for your lawn, especially Uh, Off the top of my head, a couple I can name that have some uh, leaf material that's not the healthiest for your lawn is uh, walnut trees, uh, hackberry trees, butternut, and um, uh, some of the uh, hickory trees. Some of these leaves aren't the healthiest because they contain certain chemicals that when uh, released into the soil, they can actually prevent the growth of grasses. And the reason this is the case is that these trees adapted to um, regions where they grow in competition with grasses. And so by depositing these leaves on the soil, they actually create space for new babies 
of their trees to grow and to expand their range. And so it's kind of like a little bit of ecological warfare going on between grasses and trees that you're experiencing. So I'm sure I missed a few trees there that maybe want to be avoided, but the vast majority of tree leaves are no issue and actually a benefit to your landscape. Now when it comes to uh, taking care of your leaves, I have a couple best tips. First, this might seem a little silly, but I see this all the time, is wait until all the leaves have fallen off of your trees. Now, there are a few exceptions here because some trees hold on to their leaves until very, very advanced winter. But for the most part, most trees will drop their leaves uh, throughout the fall season, the autumn season. And so this is, you know, if you wait until, say, at least around here in the middle latitudes uh, around Ohio, um, you're talking about mid to late November, usually most of your leaves have dropped by then, maybe early December, depending upon your weather for that year and what latitude you live at. And so if you wait until all the leaves have dropped, then of course, you only have to pick them up once. But I see a lot of people that live around me that will go out and they'll do leaf removal projects. So they'll go out and they'll rake leaves or chop them up or whatever multiple times throughout the fall season instead of just letting them sit there for a little bit and then going to pick them up at the end of the season. Now, of course, this creates a lot of duplicate work, especially because leaves are usually deposited across a pretty large surface area on your landscape. And so by having to do this multiple times, it's a significant portion of work. So my first tip again is wait until all the leaves have fallen. Next, this kind of goes in tandem with that. Just enjoy the leaf clutter for a while. Now, I think the trigger for people picking up their leaves multiple times is they feel like it's a unsightly, it's cluttery, it's it's not nice. Um, and, and maybe, you know, if it covers your walkway, your access point to your yard, you can kind of just go out there and quickly brush them off. And, and, and that's fine. But just enjoy them. I mean, leaves kind of add, you know, that very seasonal feel to your landscape. And for one, most of them are very colorful. And for the ones that are not, they're usually, we have these hackberry trees in the back of our yard. And they're not very uh, attractive from a fall color standpoint. But when they drop their leaves, the the whole yard is just a a pile of basically like, um, (laughs) like frosted flakes. You're, you, the kids run around or you walk around, it's just so crunchy as you step across your landscape because there's all these crisp dry hackberry leaves and it's actually a very enjoyable experience just to, to kind of walk through and, and experience that the, the the sound of you know walking through these leaves and crunching through them so just consider enjoying the leaf clutter for a while it'll decrease your stress level if you decide to wait until all the leaves have fallen and it'll really help just you enjoy the season So my next tip is to leave the leaves in your less tended garden beds. So I'm actually saying this to, if you have some areas that are not your higher maintenance garden beds, let's say, you can consider just leaving the leaves there. I feel like I'm saying the word leave too many times here, but I don't don't know a better way to say it. Just leave the leaves alone and just let them stay there for the whole year. And, and what they'll do is they'll break down over time and they actually provide a really good, this is kind of an ecological thing, but what you're doing is you're providing habitat, overwintering habitat, hibernation area for insects that, that 
survive over the winter. And so there are a lot of insects uh, that use that space to survive through the winter. And if you don't have leaf clutter around, they don't have a space to survive. And I'm talking here about many insects that are beneficial for your landscape. So yeah, you, maybe you're not a huge fan of bugs, but the reality is uh, a lot of these bugs are actually a benefit to your yard and to your landscape. So one example is ladybugs. Ladybugs are predators. They eat aph- aphids, right? A lot of people hate aphids. Well, if you don't have ladybugs around that can survive the winter, most likely you're not going to have them around when the aphids come and they need to eat some aphids, Okay. So just consider leaving the leaves in your less tended areas and just enjoying them and letting them break down on their own and providing a wonderful habitat for a lot of creatures. Okay, now I'm going to step into, now that I just talked about leaving the leaves in your garden beds, let's talk about why why you would actually want to remove them from your lawn. So when it comes to your lawn, if you just leave the leaves there for the whole winter, uh, you can actually cause a lot of problems. And so first is uh, the leaves will tend to mat up because a lot of times the winter season is a, a moisture season. So late fall through winter, you have a lot more moisture and, and those leaves will kind of mat up with a moisture present. And they'll essentially kind of smother what's underneath it. And so this is what happens on the forest floor a lot of times. Now in your lawn, what that does is that can actually kill your grass. So if you have matted leaves that you haven't chopped up and mulched to kind of settle down to the soil surface, instead what you're doing is you're you're smothering the grass that's underneath your leaves if you haven't chopped them up or if you haven't removed them, and they'll kill your grass. And what this does is next year you'll have dead spots in your lawn and these dead spots are where the weeds are going to pop up next year so it's really important to do something with your leaves whether it's mulching them or removing them completely Uh, doing something with the leaves in your lawn is very important okay so the next piece with with leaves is having fun with your kids all right so some of my favorite memories of fall growing up aside from like carving pumpkins and getting boatloads of candy on Halloween is, is having fun with the leaves. And, and so getting your kids involved with the, the landscape chores that you're doing can be a really fun experience. And so of course, when it comes to kids and leaves, the first thing I think of is making a leaf pile for jumping. So my, my oldest son has already asked me multiple times if we can go out and rake the leaves so we can jump in them this year. Well, the reality is none of the leaves have fallen off the trees yet, but, but uh, I guess as soon as they fall off, I better be out there raking leaves with him so he can have some fun with them because uh, it, they just totally enjoy it going out there making a mess of themselves but also having a blast at the same time. So consider what you can do with your kids. That's one option. Also, just let them help out, you know, especially if you let them make a leaf pile. It's certainly an incentive for them to help with the raking chore. So if you're doing some raking, you can make a giant leaf pile. They can have a blast with it. And then you can, of course, remove the leaf pile uh, to mulch it up or to put it on the curb or whatever you choose to do with it. Now, the last tip here, of course, is that there's some great fall cardio that's involved with this too, especially if you choose the raking. You know, that's a great workout actually. And um, it's a really good way just to get outside when we're we're less uh, 
likely to go outside compared to, say, uh, midsummer when we're, everybody's outside having fun and having cookouts. Well, in the fall, that kind of, you know, decreases a bit. And so this is a great excuse to get outside, to get active, to, to get some good cardio in, and also to have fun at the same time. Okay, so I think that's enough on the leaf part. Now let's talk a little bit more about some lawn care tips for fall. So what are some good fall lawn care tips? Well, first, I would suggest to do a good mowing at the end of the season. And when you do this mowing, you want to wait until the grass has stopped growing. So around the the northern latitudes of the United States, a lot of times uh, people put in uh, what's called cool season grasses. So these are varieties of fescues. Now, if you live in the south, this isn't always necessarily the case, and you also don't get the cold winters that we have in the north. So uh, things are a little different down there, but but um, some of this still applies. And so especially for the cool season grasses, your fescues, for example, uh, the fescues will be growing in the early season. So they'll green up in the spring. They kind of go semi-dormant during the, the hotter summer period. And then they kind of kick back into gear in the fall period uh, in order to kind of really get some good growth and to increase their health uh, for the coming winter. And so you want to wait till this growth period is finished before you do this last mowing of your fall. And so a lot of times this is really great anyway because it can go hand in hand with the with the fall mowing for leaves. And so if you just kind of wait, it's good to really, before the leaves fall, uh, you don't want to have your grass super tall when the leaves are dropping. Um, So you want to mow it maybe a little bit shorter um, in late season. So again, for your middle latitudes like Ohio, uh, zone six, for example, uh, it's usually good to kind of start mowing a little bit lower um, toward the end of October. Uh, So things will start to be slowing down. You'll have some cooler nights. Uh, That'll kind of slow things down a little bit. You have less sunlight as well. Um, and then toward late November, early December is when you do your maybe your final mowing. And, and, and this could also coincide with picking up your leaves at the same time. So basically, by having your grass a little shorter to begin with at that time uh, from your kind of mid-fall mowing, when you do your late-fall mowing, uh, your lawnmower isn't just like totally overworked by picking up both leaves and really tall grass. And so this, this late-fall mowing you know, towards end of November, early December, even sometimes depending upon where you are, uh, you want to mow low, actually, usually, uh, in, I recommend mowing high. And so instead of the typical high mowing that I recommend, which helps prevent weed competition, helps increase the health of your grass blades, uh, and your grass roots, um, during the the normal course of the year, at the end of the year, this is kind of like hitting the reset button. So your grass is about to go dormant for, for winter, and so this is a great time to just kind of like give it a buzz cut. And, and I'm not talking about scalping your lawn here. You don't want to cut too low. Um, so instead, you basically just want to set your mower just a little bit lower. I wouldn't go lower than, um, say, two inches or so, maybe one and a half inches if you prefer a shorter lawn anyway. But um, certainly not shorter than two inches if you, if you follow the typical high mowing uh, procedure that I recommend. Now... When you mow low, what you're doing is first you're cleaning up the leaves like we just talked about and you're chopping them up really good. And secondly, you're removing uh, some of the dead material of the grass plants. So as grass grows, um, the you know the grass shoots don't live forever. And so what they do is they shoot out new stalks of grass uh, to replace the older ones. And so the older ones uh, inevitably 
die and they're left there as dead material or thatch. And so uh, it helps kind of just, you know, get in there and clean some of this dead material out to prepare it for next year. And, and likewise, if you're mulching this stuff, uh, it, it serves as a nutrient amendment for your soil to help build up more nutrients in your soil to kind of recycle it back in. So the, the last thing, of course, I just want to remind again to not scalp your lawn. And by scalping your lawn, what I mean is setting your blades so low that you're actually damaging the, the basal um, crown of your grass or you're actually scraping the dirt as well, which for one is bad for your mower. But secondly, when you're cutting too low on your your grass plant, you actually are damaging the plant uh, significantly. And so you want to be above the, the base crown of your plant, which is where kind of all the all the foliage grows out of, so like that center area where it connects to the roots. Um, you don't want to be cutting that part. So you want to be above that. That's why I recommend at least, you know, right around two inches. And hopefully if, you're, if your ground's really bumpy, you might consider like setting your mower just a little bit higher um, and taking care of that so you don't hurt your grass. Because when you harm your grass, what you're doing again is by come springtime when, when everything's getting back into gear, your, your plant is still trying to catch up from its scars that it's received as opposed to um, putting up thick lush foliage and so uh, that's detrimental to preventing weeds okay so molo that's the synopsis of that part now next more in-depth pieces here Uh, if you really want a healthy lawn check for thatch buildup so thatch like i mentioned earlier is when you have uh, a grass plant that has some older shoots that die back and so over time you inevitably get a buildup of thatch and thatch is something that if it's left there and it's too heavy, uh, for one, you might actually have an issue of over-fertilizing or something. But sometimes, inevitably, you just get a buildup of thatch, even with a, a more natural lawn care routine. And so this thatch, what you can do if it's, if it's getting to be an issue where it might cause some winter kill of your grass, uh, you want to remove that. So on a smaller property, you can do this with uh, just a rake, a hand rake. And you go in there and you just kind of scrape it real good. So you're giving it basically a thick, a, a, a dense combing, I guess, of your grass. On a larger property, you'll most likely want to rent a power rake. So this is better for big yards, and basically it's this this walk-behind machine that spins around sometimes really fast and does the raking job a, a lot faster and a lot more effectively. And these are usually available at your tool rent, your local tool rent or pl- rental place. And so um, a power rake does the same job, maybe a little bit more effectively, but on a smaller property, it's probably not worth the rental. You just kind of go through there with a big leaf rake, and kind of what you're doing is you're distressing the soil surface a little bit, but you're also distressing those grass plants to kind of pull away that thatch. Um, and so what this does is it kind of clears out some space for new growth of your plants and it also provides some aeration to prevent um, issues like fungal diseases for your grass plants. Now at the same time if you go through with your power rake and you notice like some you're just taking away tons uh, what you're dealing with there is is some more significant die-off of your grass and so then if you have a, a pretty significant loss of of surface coverage after you do your dethatching it's a really good idea to consider overseeding. Now, another option too here, uh, if you want to increase aeration of your soil, especially if you have a denser soil, um, or increase the aeration of your lawn, uh, going over it with a core aerator is really helpful for boosting the water absorption of your soil, 
uh, for your lawn, uh, as well as just kind of, again, helping with some of the aeration of your soil to help boost the health of your lawn because the roots, you know, are very important. So if you're not helping the roots of your, your lawn plants, you're not helping the top growth as well. And so the soil is really important, even though it's the part we don't really see. And so core aerating, again, you can go to your local garden center or um, tool rental center and rent a core aerator. Now I keep saying core aerator. What is a core aerator? Well, a core aerator is something that has like a a cylinder that punches down into the soil and pulls up little plugs of soil. So it looks like little bits of animal droppings all over your yard after you've done the core aeration, which so it's a little unsightly for, uh, you know, a little while. But the reality is it's much better than the other types of aerators that just punch into the ground like a spike and doesn't pull up anything because what you're doing then is you're actually compacting the area that you're punching into as opposed to pulling up a chunk of soil without compacting it. And what we want is here is decompaction, not compaction. So once you core aerate, you also want to overseed, especially if you've had uh, that dethatching done and it looks pretty sparse. So certainly consider overseeding. Sometimes your aerators are actually uh, attached to an overseeder as well, so you can kind of do it in one pass. So just kind of see what options you have out there. Um, now, of course, the, the dethatching and the aeration is not an, an every-year thing. This is uh, every once in a while maintenance. If your, your lawn looks like it needs some help, uh, this is when you do this stuff, okay? So it's not something you do every year. Uh, and if you are doing it every year, uh, it could be a good sign that your lawn needs some help with just building some good soil health. Um, so certainly if that's the case, I have links to two episodes that I've previously recorded. One on healthy low-maintenance lawn care and secondly on easy lawn care time savers. So if, if you're talking about the aeration and the thatch piece, you want to check out my healthy low-maintenance lawn care episode, which I believe was episode 13. I have a link in the show notes. Okay, so let's talk about fertility now. So when it comes to fertility of your lawn, fall is a great time to do soil amendments. It's, it's probably the best time. Now, I've shared this in previous episodes. My preference is, is a more natural approach, a, a less intensive approach. So I, I, I generally shy away from your synthetic fertilizer amendments. And, and I prefer really my favorite amendment is compost. It's a simple product. Um, and it's usually pretty accessible stuff and it does wonders for your soil. It, it adds uh, chemical fertility. It also adds biological fertility to your soil, which is very important. So consider um, accessing a, a bulk supply of compost, hopefully a, a healthy supply of compost as well. I have an episode on compost and why it's awesome. So I'll put that link in the show notes as well. So you can check it out if you want to learn more about that, about what to look for, where to find it, that sort of thing, how to use it. Um, so when it comes to fertility, if you need, if you think your lawn needs fertility, consider just spreading a top dressing of compost. So what you do is you basically, you get your, your supply of compost, you use your lawn, seed spreader and you kind of just sift your compost through some hardware mesh into a wheelbarrow you load that into your uh your spreader and you kind of just run back around your landscape uh, and do pretty heavy spread on it so uh, it'll help out with your with your fertility of your lawn another option out there is compost tea this is a lot of times used in your your organic agriculture space but it's also a wonderful amendment for your soil in your lawn itself 
Now, compost tea is something that's not as accessible on uh, by retail, so it's something you generally have to make yourself unless you have a local resource for it. Um, and there's a ton of resources online about how to make it. Uh, there's a lot of complex stuff out there, but the reality is basically what you're doing is you're you're kind of leaching out some of the fertility of a compost. So basically, you have a, a big container of water you shovel some compost into it uh usually into like a, a mesh bag so you you know you can strain it out easily um and and you kind of let that stuff leach out now it gets a lot more complex than that if you especially if you want to boost the microbial life about it uh, of it and 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 that's basically a, at least one whole episode in itself that maybe we'll get into in the future but for now just for a simple amendment if you want to kind of do a a non um a non-solid form, I guess. To, you know, if you want to spray it on your landscape, you can consider just kind of leaching out some compost. And you get some of those uh, dis- dissolvable humic acids and some other dissolvable salts and stuff, uh, as well as some microbial fertility that you can deposit on your landscape with a garden hose sprayer, basically. So it's another option for you. Okay, I'm not going to get into it too much today. Uh, so the last bits I want to leave you with is first... Let's talk about fall garden bed maintenance and then about how this is really a great time for design and installation. So we talked a lot about your lawn and your leaves and all that stuff. What about your garden beds? Well, for your garden beds, really for fall, mostly what I recommend is just to kind of leave it be. Let it go until winter uh, unless absolutely necessary to clean up and i would still even if you feel it's necessary to clean up i would actually recommend trying to at least keep some part of your fall garden bed left untended and and by untended basically what i mean is to kind of let some of your stuff die back a lot of there's a lot of new design mindsets that actually appreciate the dead material dead plant material in the landscape Um, and there's one type of uh, planting style that I really enjoy. It's called the new perennial style, and it goes with um, enjoying all the seasons for their interests, and you actually plan, you design your landscape for winter interests as well, and we can talk about that in the future as well, potentially. Um, For now, just consider what you can do if you leave it go, and that'll help with um, leaving habitat for plants and critters around your landscape. Now, if you live in the deep south, you know, again, you don't necessarily have a fall and a winter, right? So you don't have the same seasons that we have around uh, the mid-latitudes, northern latitudes. Now, fall is still, or this time of year, you know, when it starts to cool down a little bit too, um, this is still a great time to do some tidying up. So consider what you can do in your landscape just to tidy up a bit. Uh, Maybe you don't have tons of leaves falling everywhere, but what can you do? Um, You can do a little bit of maintenance just to kind of go in there, fix a few things up, and just then let it go. Okay, so think about what you can do there. Next, with fall and winter, of course, you don't have as much color. You don't have as much pop. Once the leaves turn color and drop, you kind of lose a lot of that color in your landscape. You also don't have as much green in your landscape. So what can you do to add color to your landscape? And that's why mums are so popular, right? They're actually a flower that's still in bloom uh, in that time of year. And um, same with pansies. And there's also these uh, colorful cabbage varieties that are planted a lot now in the fall season th- uh, that enjoy the winter um, landscape as well and can provide winter interest throughout. 
So aside from plants, you could also consider some fall decor. So just some simple fall decor that you could potentially add to your garden space or your front entry somewhere that can really provide just a nice little accent without overdoing it. Uh, can really provide some good interest to your landscape uh, in that time when maybe some of the interest is lacking. Okay, now with that, basically all I've got now is to tell you how great fall is for design installation. So you're listening to this, it's already the middle of October, and, and this is really the time of year when it's best to do planting. Now, I'm mainly talking about perennial plants. Of course, if you're talking about annuals, it's almost the worst time to plant because your season's almost over, unless you're talking about, say, your pansies or whatever. But with a lot of designs, what I recommend is using and relying more heavily on perennial plantings because you're disturbing the soil less, which causes less weed disturbance. And it also is just a lot less work. You plant the plant, it grows, it provides you beauty year after year after year. So... When it comes to perennial design, this is a great time of year to be doing your, your installation. So if you want to either create a new garden bed or alternatively to kind of enhance what you already have, this is really the best time to do it. So really consider what you can do uh, to enhance your garden space now over the next few weeks. So for that, what I have is a few resources. First, if you go over to ELY how slash free that's ely dot how slash f r e e i have a wonderful resource page put together there of a bunch of different types of giveaways and some of those giveaways are plant selection guides some of the easiest plants you can get for your landscape and so go on over there check it out and and download your plant list so you can put some plants in your landscape to add some easy beauty and to really enhance your landscape Secondly, if you want to do some more in-depth work, you can consider consulting with me. Now, again, I'm running a special right now. So if through the end of the month of October, if you go over to the consultation page over ely.how slash consulting, type in the offer code FALL2018, that's FALL2018, you'll get 20% off of any of my consultation options. I can work one-on-one with you to go more in-depth with your landscape to help you enhance your landscape in the easiest and best ways possible to get the most bang for your time and your money and to have a beautiful landscape that's healthy for you and your family. Don't forget, you can head over to ely.how slash episode 36 that's episode 36, and there you'll find links to all the show notes and of a full show notes outline as well for this show. So head on over, check it out. With that, guys, thanks for tuning in, and make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today. Are you still there? Okay, I'm going to leaf now.